to Daikaiju Network presents Toku Zone. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host. Jason, what's going on, everyone? This particular episode, we end up coming... Whoops. Hold on, I'm getting weird. Uh, <laughs> it's from YouTube, okay, there we you go. forgot. <laughs> um, we, are covering, we are covering episodes 11 through 13, and... By the end of this episode, we will be halfway through Johnny Sakona's Flying Robot Retrospective, and I never said I was really good at math on this podcast. In fact, I think I've always said I've been bad. And if some of you uh, remember, when we first started this, I said this is going to take eight months. No, we should be done with this entire show before our end of the year spectacular. So at some point in December... We will be done covering Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. So, um, yeah, we're making very making good strides here. <laughs> big progress through this. Yeah. So, um, before we dive into the three episodes, this podcast, uh, there's some news, and some of you may have before, already heard. Before. But uh, let's go ahead and send it over to uh, Captain Beardface. Mr. Well, before Jason. we do get into the news, I just want to make sure that everyone uh, like and subscribe to our channels uh, as far as our streaming networks, obviously YouTube, tr Twitch, Facebook Live, Periscope. Obviously, as of lately, that hasn't really been working out ever since we've done uh the Dragon Wars review, and I think, I think we, yeah, I think we broke uh, Periscope with that. Um, and then we're on uh, D Live as well, and as our uh, audio versions of our podcast, you can just find us at uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts. I just want to say that uh, Google Play Music is going to be going away soon, so make sure that you're uh, that you have uh, Google Podcasts downloaded on your uh, smartphone or bookmarked on your uh, computer and just search for us on Daikaiju Network uh, on Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. And as far as the social media uh, websites, you can find us at these following uh, sites. Just search for Daikaiju Network. Like and subscribe to us on those platforms. And we've got our own website over at daikaijunetwork.com and Something we haven't messed with a whole lot for a <laughs> well, while. I, <laughs> We've been wanting to change Yeah, that, I, <laughs> I do usually update it uh, with um, the audio podcast and everything. But uh, before we do get into the uh, big news here, I just want to uh, show that uh, Ultraman Z Blu-ray collections uh, 1 and 2 have been announced here, as you can see. Uh, off to your right here of us that uh, the uh, the two uh, Blu-ray set is going to be released over in Japan on uh, January uh, 2020 uh, from what I'm seeing here uh, 2020 we're already oh that they they did a typo on here but then on the first sentence it does say 2021 um the uh, collection is going to contain three discs, uh, including uh, episodes 1 through 13. And, uh, and then the second collection is going to be coming out in March, right around uh, my birthday. And it's going to include uh, episodes 14 through 25. 
And uh, okay, so here are the specific dates for the, uh, the two collections. Collection one is going to be released on January 27th, 2021. And then collection two is going to be coming out uh, March 26th of 2021 there. So if, if you're uh, wanting to get uh, these collections, even if they're in Japanese and I'm not even sure if they'll have any English subtitles or anything. But if you're just wanting to have these collections, if you're huge in the Ultraman, this would probably be a, a nice purchase if if you know of any places that'll sell these uh, online and ship it over here to the states. I for a second I thought you were talking about like Mill Creek had picked them up and was going to start. Uh, nope, them. nope. Um, but uh, speaking of Mill Creek, I saw over on uh, Sci-Fi Japan that. Uh, they're doing a contest of that you can win a copy of the Ultraman RB uh, set from Mill Creek. <laughs> there, so. I already pre-ordered <laughs> mine like several months ago, so it and doesn't matter. That comes out. So here weeks, is I the think. big news here, right on the screen. Uh, this just broke here, I think, within the last week. That uh, Netflix, I think either here or in Japan, has announced that uh, they're going to be bringing Godzilla back in a new anime series called Godzilla Singular Point coming out next year. And uh, let's just read a couple paragraphs here from uh, Sci-Fi Japan. Uh, Netflix announces an all-new original anime series, Godzilla Singular Point. Uh, and then, of course, it's a Japanese name right there. Featuring a brand new cast and original story set to premiere globally on Netflix in 2021. Following the, su the success of the Godzilla anime f uh, films, uh, Godzilla Planet of the Monsters, City on the Edge of Battle, and Planet Eater, uh, comes an all-new original anime series from director... Atsushi uh, Takahashi, uh, anime studio Bones, My Hero Academia, uh, the uh, anime TV show, which is uh, really becoming really popular nowadays, uh, in partnership with Studio Orange, uh, B-Stars, or yeah, B-Stars Land of the Lustrous, uh, will produce the series combining hand-drawn and CG anima animation styles. I would like to see how that would go. Using both uh, CG and hand-drawn anime? My big question, of course, it, my big uh, question, of course, even though we never got sort of oddly enough an official DVD release of the, anim the original anime trilogy here in the States, we ended up having to um, get them via uh, uh, G-Fest. I'm wondering, are these going to come out legitimate uh, DVD Blu-ray release at some point because um, you know like I said we got lucky with the original anime trilogy that we were able to find them mm -hmm. at a G-Fest two years ago and um, you know I, I really hope we get these on home video uh, because look we're Godzilla fans <laughs> you know mm -hmm. we're complete as we want these on well, I know on the, uh, the trilogy ones that we've got they're just only on uh, DVD, and I think they came from, oh gosh, maybe Malaysia like or Malaysia Hong Kong, or somewhere around that uh, part of the world uh, there. 
But uh, continuing on with this, uh, in addition to uh, director Takahashi, the creative team behind uh, Kan Sawara, uh, Sawada, composer of countless uh, Doraemon films and series such as, uh, I'm, pr- I'm probably going to butcher this name, uh, Yoa Mushi Petal, uh, Japanese science fiction novelist uh, To Enjo, uh, making his TV debut as editor and writer of the series, uh, Kazue Kato, creator of The Blue uh, Exorcist and Hick uh, comic currently serialized in Jump Square, will serve as character designer and uh, animator Eiji Yamamori from Studio Ghibli Films, including Princess Mononoke, uh, Spirited Away, um, and The Wind Rises will do the kaiju design. So we're going to get some prominent people over there uh, in Japan uh, Dealing with the new Godzilla anime, especially uh, with some of those from Studio Ghibli that have done amazing uh, anime film works uh, over there. So here's the uh, some of the character designs, and then I'm guessing this is the supposed logo for the uh, TV show uh, coming in uh, 2021. So that's that's essentially uh, it of that entire article. We don't have any other information as far as like a rough uh, story outline or, or, or what it's going to be about. Um, no, this is basically my first time actually diving into the details of this TV show itself uh, here, but I'm guessing we'll probably get some more details further down the road if if there hasn't been any anything new since uh, the announcement here earlier in the week. But uh, what are your thoughts on this new Godzilla anime series? I mean, you know, we don't know a whole lot about it at this point, but I'm really excited. I, I remember when we were going through the original anime trilogy about a year ago, uh, I said, I hope they do more anime stuff. I, I figure I, I've been sort of um, confused as to why Godzilla has never really been by Toho attached to that particular format. I mean, you've in the past have had quick little cartoon snippets and things like that, but nothing in the anime format where it was either long going, an ongoing uh, television series or even a, a mini series or even a set of movies like the last trilogy. And I just thought it was weird that. It's like, what was it, 2017 when they first brought out that? And I'm like, man, that was that's a long time coming yeah. for this character. And um, and I said during our regular reviews, I said I would love to see Godzilla come back. Of course, I'm a huge fan of that original trilogy, uh, um, but I knew that was the end of that story. But I remember saying during one of those interviews, I said – I would love to see Godzilla come back in the anime format. I, I think as long uh, as they're able to do that, it'll keep Godzilla alive and going. And I think, too, with animation, unlike with live-action films, you are given a lot more leeway because, obviously, 
it's animation. You don't have, you know, millions upon millions of dollars to try to like spend a movie and have that inhibit you from creating a world and incorporating certain types of monsters that you would like to incorporate within your film. My biggest concern, and I just brought this up a moment ago, is are we eventually, um, with this one and any subsequent anime series, uh, are we going to end up getting, uh, here in the States, official uh, home video releases? Um, that's my biggest concern because, like I said, uh, you and I haven't thought too much about that because we picked up that original mm-hmm. trilogy a year ago, but officially we n- never have gotten uh, uh, Godzilla right. 1 through 3 uh, available here in the US on home video and so that's my biggest concern going forward is will we get these on some home video format and not some sort of streaming service which will keep them on there a year two years three years and then take them off and then that's it so that's my biggest well, concern I know that um, Netflix has been pretty good with when it comes to their shows or original series, their that shows, they yes. release them officially. But when it comes to like the movies and stuff, I I think these the the trilogy, the anime trilogy. I think it was original. I think, and and I know that Netflix has been pretty good releasing some of those movies and stuff. But it just seems like the. They haven't really been particularly good when it comes to that one, but um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure when it comes to this because I think because uh, I think they're saying that this is coming out on Netflix Japan first or something uh, sometime next year, and I'm not sure if if there's even a an official release date for here in the states. Uh, for that matter but um, yeah I'm not entirely sure yeah we're just going to have to wait and see when it comes to that uh, point if they plan on doing that or not or we're going to have to uh, try to find a way if like a store online will be carrying that with English subtitles or maybe like an international dub I'm guessing it's just going to be subtitles uh, for that release, if they ever do, but yeah, well, we're just gonna have to wait and see when it comes to that point. But um, before I sort of uh, finish this out here, uh, we do have like a little sketch uh, right here of Godzilla. Um, I really like the design for this new Godzilla. It sort of reminds me like an alligator, like a true, like deformed version of an alligator. And like one of his fangs is a little bit more protruding, sort of like, it sort of harkens back to the, uh, the 1985 form where it had like that pencil uh, fangs and stuff on the top of the, uh, the mouth there. But um, in your opinion or perspective what do you think of this uh new iteration or design for godzilla i do like it um but that's before really seeing the full body this particular look remind the way they've captured it right now in this picture 
However, and I, I didn't real, realize this until yesterday when I was thinking about it, it started to remind me so much of Shin Godzilla because that one had the side view on a red background as well. The eyes are slightly similar to that, and so, so on some level it sort of reminds me of how that particular iteration was portrayed. Um, I do have a feeling, though, I will like this, but then again, I thought I was going to like – Shin Godzilla, and then I saw the full body and everything. I'm like, that's a glowing turd. Uh, so th this one I do think is going to end up being better. I think we're going to end up getting something that is a bulkier Godzilla again. And of course, here come you know some of the fans that are going to complain about a fat Zilla or whatever, whatever. Um, because it, this to me looks like it's going to be a bulky big Godzilla here, according to yeah, just by what we've seen here. Unless they totally change the the proportions in the actual show, um, but um, I do like it. I, I mean, I this is a Godzilla I already want to figure. Yeah, just of. by looking at the neck here itself, you can already tell it's looking like going to be a really bulky uh, Godzilla in this one. But yeah, speaking of which. As you said, that's like a sort of, sort of, kind of has that familiarity, maybe with uh, Shin Godzilla. It sort of gives me the a little bit of the hybrid of combining both uh, the Shin, uh, maybe the the anime trilogy and uh, the new legendary version as well. What? What I get off of here is Legendary and the Tezuka mm. uh, Kiyu okay. duology from this one. Yeah, I can see a little bit of that, too. Especially, I can see it more along the neck there and then maybe on the uh, the dorsal fin area there, too. But, uh, yeah, essentially that's... Uh, basically all i've got unless if you have anything else or we can just uh go to the meat and potatoes i'm ready to dive into john all right so here we go we're gonna cover episodes 11 through 13 the title of episode 11 the english title is the terrifying sand creature the japanese title is terror of the man-eating sand jason which title do you prefer, the English or the Japanese? I think I'm going to go with the terrifying sand creature because the, the man-eating sand creature, whatever you, that you mentioned there for the Japanese one, because we'd never even see anyone getting eaten by the sand at all. You took the words right out of my mouth. I, I, I picked the English because exactly, yeah, the, the sand doesn't eat anybody. Yeah. So that's a misleading <laughs> title. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in agreement here. Uh, all right. So here's a plot summary, and then we'll dive into the actual review here. The Unicorn Antarctica are observation base is overrun by sand. Johnny and Jerry go to investigate. Once there, they realize everyone in the base has been killed. They, too, are overrun by sand. Dracolon is responsible for the sand avalanches. Gargoyle captures them and puts them under a spell to serve Emperor Guillotine. Johnny orders Robo to fly into the sun. With Robo seemingly out of the way, Dracolon is set to dump sand on Tokyo. But a special pendant Mari gave Johnny before leaving gives a gives off a supersonic sound that snaps Jerry and Johnny out of their hypnosis. Johnny calls Robo back, and the robot saves them. 
Dracolon and Robo battle it out. Robo appears to be defeated at one point, but Robo frees itself and destroys Dracolon with its eye lasers. So Dracolon, for anybody who has already forgotten, uh, was the first uh, kaiju or big baddie uh, in the very first episode of this series. Um, and I had totally forgotten that he came yeah, so did I too. in this series. And this because uh, I remember saying in that first episode we covered, uh, I wanted to see that guy back because I loved the design and I thought there was uh, more. Um, oh, what's the word? The, 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 there was more. I, I'm forgetting the word off the top of my head, but I thought that was a creature that that really could deliver more. And finally, he comes back. Well, I think in uh, this it. Uh this version of Dracolon. I know in the first episode he was more like sort of the water creature in that one because we see him rise out of the water and everything and then fight in the water. But as this time he goes through the earth and everything and then using sand and everything. So it's like this is you can say maybe like a different breed of Dracolon sort of in a sort of way where maybe there's one breed that deals with water and then there's another breed that deals with uh, earth elements here and there. So like this one could be a different version of the earth. Yeah. Of, from compared to the previous uh, one from the first episode. Well, and I want to know outside of that particular um, possibility, how else could Dracolon have gotten revived? Because uh, that was one of my questions coming into this. Was okay, like assuming that you know, outside of the explanation you just gave, let's assume this is the same one we saw in episode one. How did it come back? How did it get revived? Because uh, I, I heard or saw nothing in this episode that told me that either this was different or that this was the same, but they called it Dracolon. Mm -hmm. I would say my only guess is that there could have been one of the skin cells or something from the previous one that uh, got destroyed. Uh, the gargoyle again took it back, regrew it, and then this is that same iteration. <laughs> your, your fan... <laughs> Your fan story is actually more exciting than what we get here in terms of, <laughs> of the explanation of seeing Dracolon again. But yeah, I just kind of – and again, as we've said many times over the course of these podcasts covering this series, you just have to take the story as it is because um, once you start – trying to think in in very logical terms your brain's gonna mm. hurt and you're gonna get upset and frustrated that n certain things just don't make yeah. sense but nevertheless regardless i am happy to see this creature back because like i said i love the design and i love the potential that this kaiju had mm -hmm. shown and then i also like uh, the return of harlequin uh, in this episode where he doesn't have long hair this time and the the original voice actor that was in the first in the uh, the episode where Harlequin first appeared decided to come back now <laughs> and 
and I think, and it's basically, you know, his same look throughout the uh, the entire few episodes that we have him. Well, I think in the next one, I think is was his uh, last appearance uh, for the time being, because and we'll talk about episode. F- 13 because we got uh some of the uh, another familiar face that we've shown <laughs> before we started uh reviewing this uh tv show but uh yeah i think this time he he's sort of his own self when he first appeared uh back a few episodes ago compared to the the last appearance where he had that long rock rocking rock star hair or something of the sort you are so caught up on that hair i I thought it was kind of cool but you've i remember last episode you kept talking about his hair it's like do you have something against no it's just that it's just that it was just (laughs) different from what it was before and then now it's sort of basically back to the way it was when he first appeared it's it's like there's just really not the continuity compared to most of oh, the, yeah. like the rest of the cast that we've seen here. I think he, he might be the only one so far that seemed that looked a bit different or a little bit inconsistent appearance-wise. I mean <sighs> Here's the thing. I mean, we've talked about the the different generals and stuff with Guillotine uh, over the last now uh, 11 episodes. Harlequin is a character that I feel like, with the exception of one episode, is being wasted. Um, Because I... I thought he was wasted once again in this episode. He doesn't really yeah, do a whole lot. Because he usually – I think for this entire episode, he just stood at one spot with maybe a handful of the gargoyle gang and then had like the little ra- like radio to command Dracolon, and that was essentially it. But I would say uh, in the next one, I think he did a, a little bit of a better job, and I think he was more used – and that one there. Well, I mean, yeah. And but we'll get to thing, that like, one here. <laughs> um, well, and the thing is, is that, as I'm about to say, is that, uh, you know, as we've said several times over the course of this podcast over the years, part of our duty is to try to put on our critic glasses as we watch shows and movies so we can try to be uh, more objective no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not no, I'm not no, I'm not going there. But what I'm saying is that um there are certain things I never noticed before because I wasn't watching them close enough. I just was casually watching them. I was watching them passively. I just turned my brain off and took it as it came. I didn't ask a whole lot of questions as I originally watched these movies and shows over the years. And then as we covered them with the podcast, trying to give people an objective assessment of – the pros and the cons of each TV series and movie, that means you have to flip your brain on and really pay closer attention. Like I was just saying, I never really noticed until as we started going through this series for this podcast how little Harlequin, with the exception of one episode, at least up to this point, plays in the series. I mean let's just say it right 
Now, we're covering up to episode 13 here uh, for this podcast. Even up to episode 13, in general, this character really does not much of anything other than the one episode that he was that mm-hmm. he debuted in. Otherwise, this character is just there. I mean, he just stands around saying a few lines and plays second fiddle to someone like Dr. Yeah. Bot. Yeah, because now, since we're discussing these uh, three episodes, because I know we've got uh, Harlequin, Botanist, and then now we're getting a third one here coming up in a couple episodes down the road. Now, don't yeah, I know, stuff. but we'll... Well, I think we'll talk more about that uh, as soon as we wrap up these uh, three episodes here. But, um, yeah, as far as this uh, episode episode goes, in my opinion, I think it's it, – to me, it's light years better compared to the last episode that we – uh, reviewed and I think probably one of the lowest ranked ones <laughs> that we've given so far. That batch of what three or four episodes three, we covered yeah. last time really was something and basically, pitiful. By the way, what happened to all that sand in that Antarctic base when Johnny and Jerry show up? Because it was getting flooded and they show up. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> For those who are listening to the audio version, Jason did the timeout. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, and then when they're uh, down the and was it both Jerry and Johnny are down in the uh, uh, the unicorn base there in Antarctica, which is sort of uh, underground or subterranean, and all of a sudden the sand starts coming down and everything. I think when they were getting out, I think it was nowhere to be seen after that. <laughs> but yeah, it's kids' show. What else? <laughs> I thought it was interesting that when Jerry and Johnny were down there and the sand started coming in, they didn't put the face mask over their helmets. Because I'm like, I was sitting there yelling at my TV going, put your face mask over your face because then the but sand's then, not going to get into your face. And Well, your with, it, with it coming down from the top there and then with maybe some of the openings from their visors and stuff between their visor and the helmet, some but of that will get in. You're yeah. still going to severe – Assuming they have gaps in their, their visor and their helmet, if that is the case, you're still going to severely limit the amount of sand coming in. It's better than having it open than having a boom smack you right in the face. <laughs> but um, yeah, to me – and then I think – what was it? Uh, oh, yeah, the, uh, uh, the time where the Gargoyle gang capture both uh, Johnny and Jerry, and then they get manipulated there for a little bit by one of the devices from Emperor uh, Guillotine there. And then, of course, having uh, Johnny be commanded to uh, send Giant Robo into space, basically towards the sun to be destroyed. And then I like how this necklace comes into play for no apparent reason. It seems like uh, Marie or Mary is some sort of Mari, Mari. whichever, how you, however you pronounce it. <laughs> to me, it looks like Mary the way it's spelled out. But um, it's like she, she's just some sort of 
freaking sidekick or something because like once they open up like seems like she inserted this supersonic wave sound within this necklace that was on uh jo- around Johnny's neck and then uh snaps him out of that mind control that was given to them I wrote down in my notes and I said something similar to this last podcast, but here's what I wrote for this particular episode is the supersonic pendant, of course, plays a coincidental role, should have Mari leading the team. <laughs> well, it, and I mean, all it of sort of looks Martin. like it because <laughs> in these few episodes Yo, of course. that it's basically like the Mari theme this time around. She has this is the third, if not the fourth or so episode in which she has provided uh, some sort of major device or knowledge or some type of Mm -hmm. assistance that has ultimately led from gargoyle to dominating or about to win the day to boom unicorn now like just in a matter of a millisecond unicorn now in a position to save mm-hmm. the day yeah and uh especially when it comes to episode 13 she plays a much bigger role in that one there oh absolutely yeah. but but yeah at least this time when it comes to uh the main event the battle here at least uh, giant Robo compared to the previous three, he doesn't just throw a monster and a monster dies and everything. He he actually uses his laser while uh, Dracolon is flying in the sky, zaps him and then explodes. At least this time we get some like excitement within the battle this time around. This whole collection of episodes we are covering today are so much better uh, from what we got the last podcast because those were more or less I toss a guy over my shoulder and he's dead. This time we get actual battles. And actual deaths. <laughs> and I want to say to it and I want to say to for, for this particular episode, episode 11, um, I feel like maybe, and I don't know the, the production history of the show or anything like that as far as how money works when producing a TV series like this, but it seems as if miniature work was upped a little bit more for this episode. I really loved how they had several sets where like the ground was supposed to come open, Robo gets stuck at some point, but then you have a few other miniatures Especially with uh, well. Tokyo I really Station enjoyed there. seeing more of that where the environment plays a role in the battle Especially as well. when they did a model version of Tokyo Station, they were one of the iconic trading stations there in Japan. Although, mm-hmm. it didn't quite look like it in a way, how it resembled, but it was surely close oh, enough. Of course not. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you got to take it as it comes. Yeah, <laughs> and then not only the, I would say maybe the practical effects have improved uh, this time around. I probably would say uh, the possibly the the story or plot has sort of improved this time around compared to the, 
the last batch. Again, like we said at the start of, the, uh, of this discussion, this batch of episodes is so much better than the last batch we covered. It, it, it's and and again, and I've said this before when we covered Ultraman, and I've talked about this before when I uh, have watched my original Twilight Zone series several times. When you have a TV series, not every episode is going to jive. I, I mean, that's just how it goes, mm. you know. And this is not a very long TV series; it's twenty six episodes. Episodes. That's not. That's really not a lot, but you're still. That's enough to where you're going to develop. Sorry, Jason. Can you? Tell um, me? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really. I'd say it's a real big improvement uh, this time around uh, compared to the last batches uh, that we've seen there but um for me i would say when it comes to this episode it's it's a real improvement um there's i think there's really not much uh left to be said here i say the uh the characters have improved uh more uh practical effects even the monster fights or battles there i i like the return of uh dracolon here but yeah as far as um the harlequin uh situation here i think he was i think he was sort of uh wasted in this episode it just seemed like he was sort of out of place he wasn't the only one wasted i think he was just more or less out of place uh (laughs) within this one i think uh with the role that at least uh emperor guillotine played shortly within this episode i think just only i think just fit it perfectly without having harlequin in here um but yeah as far as this episode goes i i would uh give it a seven out of ten all right do you remember what i was talking about no not really (laughs) all right well then i'll just go into my final thoughts and rating as well Seeing Dracolon back was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this kaiju in the first episode and thought it was underutilized there. Here it serves a greater purpose. The battle was a lot of fun and the miniature sets were fun to see. The contrivance of the pendant is nothing new to the series, but those those things still irritate me a bit. The episode is pretty fun and brings out the... brings brings us out of the doldrums of the last few episodes. 7 out of 10. Nice. All right, episode 12. The English title is Amberon, the Synthetic Monster. The Japanese title is Unbalon, the Synthetic Monster. This is one of those things again. Jason, which one do you prefer? Boy, this is tough. Um, (laughs) I I think I'm still going to stick with the English one. <laughs> I'm sticking with the English title as well uh, because Amberon first and foremost sounds better. Second of all, I think of Amber with Amberon and Amber yeah, with of red. course. <laughs> like it, tra- it. Well, not only that, but like it has trapped bug 
bugs and mosquitoes and stuff during the days of the dinosaurs when that mass extinction occurred. And we get something similar here with the with an older coming back to life, similar to a Jurassic Park type of thing going on here, where something comes out of uh, an extinction. It's, si- it's synthetic. Come on. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's synthetic. Damn it. <laughs> oh, well. But yeah. Did you have anything to add before I go into a plot summary? But yeah, it's like as far as. Uh, Amberon, like when it comes to amber or something, I think it's something at least something with red. And then you have like these, uh, you can probably say dreadlocks <laughs> on the monster and stuff. It's red too. So to me, I think it at least makes sense in that regard. What to what was it? Umberon? Umberon. Yeah, that's that's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> The word out of my mouth. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so here is a plot summary. Unicorn locates a major gargoyle hideout and infiltrates. Dr. Botanist escapes initially but is eventually captured. Guillotine chastises Harlequin for Botanist's capture and gives Harlequin excuse me, a chance to make up for the failure. Here. A boa constrictor is found dead in a nearby zoo with a stone body inside it. Johnny and Jerry, again, investigate. Amberon, one evening, is the creature to come out of the stone body. It heads a unicorn to break botanists out. Johnny and Mari are taken captive by Harlequin and are sentenced to death by firing squad. But Unicorn saves them in the nick of time. Botanists sends Amberon to confront Unicorn. However, it grows to immense size after the hideout is destroyed. Robo is called for battle. After a tussle, Robo tosses Amberon into a bed of fuel tanks that blows up Amberon with them. So, Jason, you want to start us off uh, with the uh, review here? Yeah, the... um, What was it? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh there's something i wanted to oh and you're leaving right now (laughs) um but uh before he comes back i just want to say that as far as this episode goes it basically starts out with uh unicorns uh storming the uh the base uh that's basically guarded by uh the gargoyle gang there and uh, and I think this is sort of where I think uh, Harlequin sort of uh, I think is used uh, in a right way, but I'd say not as much as the episode progresses. Whereas I think he's just sort of part of you know plotting t- uh, to do something along with uh, Doctor Botanist, but then they are caught in the middle of this uh, raid that uh, the unicorn. Uh, people are conducting here uh, to capture uh, both Dr. Botanist and Harlequin, but unfortunately aren't uh, able to get Harlequin, but uh, able to get Dr. Botanist. But then um, afterwards, it seems like uh, Harlequin hasn't really been utilized as much in 
this episode again um, afterwards. But since now you're back here, there's one big elephant in a room that um, I want to discuss, but I know you're probably going to call a timeout on me on this one. The fucking rock inside the boa constrictor. <laughs> how how the it's like? Did they impregnate this boa constrictor? <laughs> the funny thing was was that initially when I heard and saw it, when I watched this episode was, well that sucks. A boa constrictor died, and then I'm like, wait a minute. Something doesn't, doesn't add up yeah. here. And it took me like 30 to 45 seconds. I'm like, how did that get <laughs> Yeah. A boa constrictor is not dumb. You know, for as much as people believe snakes are these very simple-minded creatures, they're not going to swallow anything that just sits in front of them like a stone. Or maybe so, yeah, like a stone like, that looks like a person or vaguely looks like a person in a way. It won't even swallow that. Yeah. I mean – And then I would like to know how it looked like when they took, possibly took the bow – like the dead body of the bow constrictor back to uh, the lab where they were studying that uh, rock, which I know, yes. I I know ahead of time. That's why I said it. Um, God, now – <laughs> I lost track of what I was trying to say. Okay, um, when they were bringing the dead body of the boa constrictor back to the lab uh, to uh, get whatever it was inside of it, I like to have seen how they how they managed to get that stone out of the boa constrictor. <laughs> like, did they just completely slice the entire body up in half or something of the sort? <laughs> Of course they did. <laughs> Let's cut him and see if he's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's like... But here, uh, Dr. Botanist has a new toy. It's an amulet. A star amulet. That makes a star him, blue amulet. That, that makes him basically go invisible. Even though that he did do that in the previous batches i think when he first did that i don't even think we did ever see that blue star medallion up until this point which was basically the power that you know he uses to disappear from the last batches of the, the episodes did you hear that yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> That's my response. And then, um, because there is no legitimate response to that because it's a it's not only a MacGuffin, it's a terrible MacGuffin because like you just said, he was able to do that in previous episodes. But here, for whatever unknown reason, they, they thought he needed an amulet to help him do that. Well, it was also another terrible MacGuffin because when they were trying to, to escape and go back to one of their other bases and stuff, and when they captured uh, Mari there when she had the medallion and him recovering it, Johnny was just flying above them without them even noticing it. <laughs> so it's like another terrible MacGuffin. 
in a way. And also one of the other shots before uh, Botanist was freed via from uh, Amber on there that she had this really uh, crazy looking um, craze in her eyes once she saw that blue star medallion there. <laughs> and I just thought like she was going to get possessed or something within that in that point, which I thought was and like maybe some that medallion happened to uh, open up or hatch that rock into Amberon, like she gets possessed, sends it over there to that rock, and then hatches Amberon away. But apparently, that didn't happen. So, <laughs> Mari's still showing people up in this episode, sort of like with the whole target practice. <laughs> yeah, thing. that too. Yeah. She's standing up on on the balcony and from the hip you know the stereotypical hip where you have the pistol somehow that gives you accuracy but in real life it doesn't when you have a pistol or any sort of gun you need to kind of you know do like this well go down the site well you you need to act you need to at least have uh both of your eyes open though in actuality and then just at least try to line it up in a way. Because I know if you close one of your eyes and stuff, it's going to uh, mess well, up. Well, yeah, your... it messes up the perception yeah. a little bit. But the thing is, it, you see this even in an awful lot of black and white movies where you get – it doesn't matter whether it's a good guy or bad guy. They're like – they're like this, like the gun is down, like right in this area, boom, boom, and it's just like you know, accuracy is. And then, flawless. and then, do you see and, her uh, facial expressions? Like, yeah, now what, fuckers? <laughs> well, and it's so funny because she acts so tough, but then she ends up fainting later after Botanist gets out. That, and then uh, basically, along with Johnny, both of them get captured and and then tied up to the tree where. Uh, Harlequin was about to be uh, <laughs> when Harlequin was about to shoot both of them uh, there until Unicorn uh, comes into play and stops the potential killing. There, they stop. Yeah. Uh, basically, Unicorn. They didn't necessarily stop them. They slowed down the execution process mm-hmm. because. They were still going to end up dead, but then, and I didn't, and I, and again with my critical glasses on, I realized that when Botna sends Amber on out to confront Unicorn, there's this weird shift that happens where instead of sending Amber on out to confront Unicorn, Amber just gets bigger, and then the house explodes by Unicorn gunfire. Not by an explosive. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then also when they when they uh, had uh, Johnny and Murray uh, tied up to the trees there, I also liked in one of the shots when they showed the line of the gargoyle again, like in the far distance there, they had actually someone just casually just walking along like some 
on some potential trail there, which I know they weren't even part of anything. I think it's just a normal citizen not knowing that there was something going on there in the distance. I just sort of chuckled a little bit when I saw that. By the way, happy birthday, Dymo Z. Happy 22nd birthday. And that's great to know that Giant Robo's 53rd anniversary uh, is tomorrow. Nice, just in time. (laughs) I didn't uh, realize that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's probably a good thing that we started doing uh, Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. Yeah. But, you know, uh, after the whole sequence of Dr. Botanist getting captured (laughs) – and I don't know if you caught this, but I did, and I had to actually rewind it, and I'm like, did I hear that correctly? And yes, I did, and I wrote it down here. But Captain Azuma, you know, they have the, the little cheers, the, the celebration, and he goes, we can't relax a second, so let's relax. <laughs> I'm not joking. I know. Actually, it's it's just funny because it's something that would actually happen <laughs> in this show. In this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised like, at all. You look, Gargoyle Gang won't relax, so let's relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's – but um, other, other than some of those uh, goofy things uh, – within this episode I would say at least um, the battle between uh, Giant Robo and Ambalon I think it was pretty good still nonetheless within this although in the end we still get that throwing part com- compared to the last batches but at least he was throwing in that whole oil field to where it explodes and then he dies so at least gives him the yeah there's a bit more um substance yeah um yeah definitely what do you think of amberon i really love the aesthetic of this creature i I, i'd like it an awful lot i do like the appearance of it and i and I noticed too in some of the battles with uh, Giant Robo, and then when he was at the human size before he grew, it seems like whoever was in that suit didn't really use the arm all that much because you can see the arm and stuff being bent in unusual ways here and there. And then it sort of it sort of looked that. like one of those oven mitten gloves. The way when you look at it closely, <laughs> and especially. That's when awesome. he picks up, was it one of the uh, boats or something? There, he just picks it up with his, you know, forearm in a way, and then throwing it like that <laughs> instead of just using the hands or whatever it was that he had. But yeah, none, nonetheless, it was a really, it's a really good uh, design of a monster, and I think along with. Dragline, it seems like in these batches of episodes that it looks like that uh, Giant Robo has a little bit of a tougher time trying to take care of business this time around. Which is good. Because technically this this robot is designed to be an uber weapon and by and large, with maybe some minor exceptions up to this point, he has basically dominated most of those mm-hmm. battles. Right. 
Except for um, one of those battles, it was that particular stingray creature. I forget the name of it. Uh, a few episodes ago, that with the acid spray, uh, because well, the acid spray is is a Tentaclon? big deal. But um, is that the one? No. Um, I'm trying to think here. Scallion. It was scallion. Yeah, there yeah. we go. It was the one in which spider. Spider and dying, bang, bang, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> once and for all. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, see, I'm trying to think of anything else. I think there are good miniatures mm-hmm. once again here. Um, we are continuing this trend started by the previous episode in which um, you know our, our sets and our miniatures are elaborate, more detailed, more interactive for our actors who are in the Robo and whatever Monster of the Week uniform. Um, I, I think that is great. However, I do think there is one oopsie-daisy with this particular episode, and that is that – um, when Amberon is destroying one of the nuclear power plants, it destroys like half of it. How come the nuclear plant, you know, isn't in some sort of like uh, well, what do they call it? Meltdown? I forget the correct term for it. like like a meltdown or a red alert sort of thing. Well, I think <laughs> because I think the the only portion that he destroyed is the uh, the ventilation. Uh, portion, you know, those big sort of uh, big stacks in a way. That's not where the main uh, thing of like the nuclear stuff is stored. It's actually stored in like another building or somewhere deep within that building. It's, that's just sort of venting all the steam and everything from the water. So I think, as far as I know, that was the only portion that he managed to halfway destroy it was one of those smokestacks of the nuclear power plant though that and i don't know much about nuclear power plants but i really thought that that could put a part of the power plant if not the entire power plant in jeopardy right yeah Uh, nonetheless it should it should have been at least maybe like a red alert sort of uh situation yeah i just thought it was strange that nothing became of that Mm -hmm. he just destroyed like half of one of those and that was that and i'm like wait a minute like there you know this should be a crisis right now (laughs) yeah definitely and then i know uh while you were out uh for a minute there when we when i when we started discussing about uh episode 12 here i know i was discussing a little bit about harlequin how i would i'd say in the beginning parts of this episode i think he was utilized a little bit more because with unicorn storming the base that was guarded by the gargoyle gang and then you see botanist and then harlequin to me it's felt like he was there sort of you know, concocting a plan with botanist, and then he was caught in the middle of this huge raid. But then I think after that, it seemed like he wasn't utilized quite a lot. What do you think of it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it just, yeah, <laughs> um, that character. <laughs> You're talking Harlequin, right? Yep. Uh, again, I just think here's a character that has a cool look about him. Started off really great, um, but 
ever since his debut episode, um, you know, just has not done, uh, you know, and it's not the actor's fault. It is definitely more or less the story, the writers. And I don't know why. I don't know. Uh, there was potential for this character and why they decided not to continue to further elaborate on this character is beyond me. I, At this point, having seen like four or five consecutive episodes now of Harlequin being nothing more than uh, in a, a lackey like a that second, really like a second fiddle in a way. Nothing. Yeah, I, I I don't see a purpose for him. He he needs to just be taken out. Like even if he just miraculously doesn't show up without a reason, because that's the time, kind of show that we're in. Mm-hmm. I would be okay with that because botanist has been great. Spider was pretty good and someone else is coming along that is really great too so i i just don't understand this is a waste of character and a waste of time to be perfect and i would like to know too like back then like in actual life outside of this you know production and everything the guy who portrays uh harlequin in this i want i would would have liked to have known how he felt about this whole thing after his debut yeah after his initial debut where he was basically you know the center of that entire uh show at that point until afterwards where he's just basically playing second second fiddle or just sort of there with really no purpose at all it just to me if if that was the case it's like then why did you guys even create this character that basically had no use after that episode where i debuted <laughs> and, and then now uh when you get this other uh minion that's coming up in the next episode it then it makes it feel like then really what is his point in this entire show exactly i mean again i'm seeing this for like the third time this episode um when you start doing a podcast and you put those critics glasses on you start to notice things that you really didn't before and yeah i'm realizing that this character harlequin has only had one good episode uh, otherwise he's nothing i'm sorry he he's nothing because he serves no purpose other than to spout a few lines but in terms of of actual actions they've been very inconsequential up to this point after his debut episode Mm -hmm. yeah but with that um if there's anything else that you want to point out i can probably go into my final thoughts on this episode here. here what do i have here nope that's all i got okay uh so my final thoughts on uh amber on the synthetic monster episode here i think to me i'd say this is probably one of the lower maybe the lowest ones of the batches here uh, to say the least but not by much though and stop with that damn face i disagree with you (laughs) but hear me out here um but at least it's light years better compared to the last batches though uh nonetheless but um 
as far as with some of the things that have been going on uh, with some of the situations here and there, it was a little bit goofy compared to the last one. But um, nonetheless, I do dig uh, the Amberon uh, suit or the parents' battle. Obviously, it's another good uh, point within this. I also like the story in this one uh, uh, this time compared to the previous one where it seemed to make a little bit more sense this time around. But still with Harlequin, I think he was good in the first part. But then afterwards, after the whole cap- capturing uh, botanist, it's, he seemed uh, basically useless within this one. I, I think he didn't really need to be in there after the whole raid uh, situation. But um, other than that, uh, the episode, I think... It's still good, but probably the lowest one of the batch that we're discussing with uh, right now. Um, but I'm still going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I I basically disagree um, with what you said about this being the weakest of this current batch. I think with this particular batch, we've been we, – with the last batch, we went like this. We – well – from your angle, we went like this. We went on a steep decline. This time, I think we're on a gradual well, incline. I think for me, like we're, we're we went to like this, and then maybe sort of plateaued a little bit. But I think this is mildly better than the last episode, and let me explain here. A relatively fun episode that sadly sees Harlequin relegated to a subpar role once more. This character has been poorly utilized for much of his time since his initial appearance a handful of episodes ago. Nevertheless, this particular episode delivers in some good Dr. Botanist action and a fun battle, albeit a short battle at the end with some fun miniatures seven and a half out of ten so i got some fun things to say about this next episode and i think uh, for those who have been longtime listeners and i think jason might know where i'm gonna eventually go with this but uh, episode 13 english title optagon must be destroyed japanese title ganmon's the devil lie Jason, which one do you prefer? Although I'm a bit confused as far as the name of it in the English one, because after the title screen is said Opticorn instead of Opticon. <laughs> it, I was going to yeah. cover that. I'm like, that's a misspelling. Um, but at, um, after hearing the other one, I think I probably would go with the Japanese one. I am torn uh, because this is one of those where I like elements of both. I think Opticon is a better name than Ganmon's because Opticon, optical, you know, I but Opticon must be destroyed, and I'm going, no crap, you know, because any sort of giant creature that gargoyle must be destroyed. But I also like the latter part of the Japanese title, which is the Devil Eye. So if they could have Opticon the Devil Eye, that would be better. Yeah, definitely. 
it's tough. And I think I've done this maybe once before already. I don't remember. I'm almost positive I did. But I'm going to say I don't like either one. Really? Uh, I'm not picking – I because neither one really sways me in one way or the other. I do like the name Opticon, but I don't like the, the latter part of Must Be Destroyed because no duh. Uh, I don't like the name Ganmons because I – think it's ridiculous but i do like the devil eye so as far as i'm concerned those penalties offset replay first down <laughs> as far as i'm concerned so i'm not gonna pick either one i think both are good and bad and you said that i knew that which way you were gonna go i did not even expect that at all <laughs> yeah. here's a Plot summary, by the way, of the episode. A, he a, <laughs> a heavily radioactive mineral called ogisite is discovered in a mine in a country called Ogis. Gargoyle claims a new mineral, and Johnny and Jerry, once again, are called in for assistance. Gargoyle begins to infiltrate the mines. Fangar! A new Gargoyle general leads the team. Johnny and Jerry pose as gargoyle gang members but are thwarted by Fangar. Fangar uses Opticon to suck in the princess of Ogis inside the iris of Opticon. Guillotine uses the princess as a bargaining tool against the king of Ogis in exchange for the Ogisite. Mari is sent to Ogis to disguise herself as the princess since she looks exactly like the princess. Guillotine has an agent infiltrate the royal court and send reconnaissance. This agent notices something fishy about the presence of the quote unquote princess. Johnny and Jerry locate where the princess is located. However, Mari is taken prisoner with the king's minister also in on the scheme. Fangar does an exchange for the real princess and calls Opticon. Johnny calls Robo. Opticon, oddly enough, grows legs during the day but loses them in the night. Robo and the giant eye do battle. Jerry sets off explosives in a nearby hideout Fangar and his goons were using. Fangar narrowly escapes, but the agent perishes. After a decent tussle, Robo uses his mega punch to vanquish Opticon. And uh, one of the first things I have written in my review is Fangar! <laughs> I could have sworn I heard... I love this character. I could have sworn I heard Rangar uh, later on, so that's what I written down, but then you said Fangar, and it's like, oh, okay, it's Fangar. But doesn't quite look like that he has fangs, although it's just mainly like those plain, like, goofy teeth that you... You just simply put it in your mouth and stuff. I would like to know, like, in the original version where, you know, like the original audio of that show, I would like to have heard how he actually sounded like with those teeth in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love this character. Um First of all, you get the prison cell uniform along like, with a red – It's like really puffed, maybe like stuffed uh, sort of uniform. Yeah, it's stuffed. Yeah. It's obviously stuffed. Yeah, it, it, and, and, then, and then it looked like when you see the uh, the back version of him, it looked like at first I thought it was a cape, but no, it's not. <laughs> 
What is it? It was. I it's just like a cape or cloak that is attached to his person. I thought it looked like it was like covered like the entire half of his like back is version. It? it looked like it. Yeah. I'll have to take a look at that in the subsequent episodes. It sort of looked like that was just a part of his, you know, black and white stuffed uniform that he had. Yeah, I but I just love this character. I mean the the big the big head with the bald Protruding forehead. forehead. <laughs> yeah, and and the bald spot up here, but then he's got hair along the sides and then in I, the back. And then I the bum the bum peg leg That's with what, the crutch. I totally forgot that he had that and then crutches as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I just love this guy because he's so ridiculous and funny, but he's also, I would argue, one of the better henchmen or generals of, excuse me, guillotine because i the only other uh, general that we get throughout this entire um the, the only general we get in this entire series that i think is remotely competent is botanist mm-hmm. and we get fang and i didn't even realize fangar came in this soon i thought fangar would come in like another couple of episodes uh, i was sort of the same it's, too it's, it's such an amazing thing because right now guillotine has three of generals at his disposal he's got botanist can't move my fingers properly. Botanist, Harlequin, and now Fangar. So it's just, I'm just like, whoa! I thought like Harlequin was going to be dead, or Botanist was going to be dead before Fangar showed up, and I just was shocked. I'm like, holy shit! There's like one of my favorite characters of this entire episode <laughs> shows up. Yeah, and then this is where it comes into play: is that now that Fangar uh, appears in this series then like you said now there's three generals to emperor guillotine here with botanist harlequin and fangar now why does he need three generals when he has like you know botanist which i think he's a little bit more competent and then uh and then now you got fangar and then, yes, we'll get to you here. But then you got Harlequin, but then Harlequin doesn't really do a whole lot. So take it away. <laughs> pick me, pick me, teacher. <laughs> I can t- I can explain this. It, it's because as we saw one or two episodes ago, Guillotine got angry at Harlequin for having botanists get captured. So Guillotine, I think, doesn't have much faith in his current generals and botanists and Harlequin. Botanists got captured, which means there is some sort of 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 I just forgot the term. Um, There's a lack of his own ability to successfully carry out um, plans there. Plus, Harlequin did absolutely nothing, so Harlequin is a worthless shell uh, to guillotine. So, hey, you know, it can't get any worse if your guillotine is just like, okay, now I have three generals, sure. That looks pretty bad, but it can't get any worse if I send out another guy, even if he's incompetent. 
So what? Yeah. I'm just going to be in the current position that I find myself in. Hence, Fangar. Fangar, however, throughout the course of this episode, yeah, sure, eventually he's thwarted. But in the grand scheme of things, he's still more competent than He's light years more competent than Harlequin, who has been useless over the last five or so episodes, and he has been more competent than Botanist over the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, and and then one of the things I like about Fangar is that uh, he uses his crutch as like sort of a way to use sleeping gas with a snake quirling, uh, quilling around his uh, crutch there. And then using like one of the rate, like a, a communication thing, where I liked how he used the antenna to extend it out. And I thought at first, it's like when they shot the like him extending out the antenna. I noticed that there was a camera on the clutch, and I thought a uh, crutch. And I thought he was gonna go like this <laughs> with his crutch, just kind of moving it around the way. But no, it's like he was just sort of down and sort of and an awkward position with the antenna sort of sticking out in in the the shot and it's like blah 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 <laughs> like that just looked sort of goofy in a way yeah um by the way i have to say that mine at the beginning of the episode looked incredibly fake the uh the mouth you said the mine oh the mine yeah yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously. Because the walls are too shiny, and it's obvious that they were molded of a plastic or some whatever material that they used. It's probably it, the same. That looked much more fake than the – what was it? The two-faced creature we had a few episodes yeah, it, ago. Yeah, I, I assume that they used the, the same setting from that episode with this episode here. By the way, how did Unicorn know that that one gal – was a spy for guillotine fine (laughs) but then i was sort of surprised i'd sort of forgotten too that in the end the minister of this one made-up country was behind sort of the whole spying thing along with that gal that was also a spy in a way but i sort of knew before that point uh when uh johnny and jerry were talking to the minister about this gal talking with uh, emperor guillotine uh that he's sort of given this kind of the expression in a way that was like i think this guy is behind most of what's been going on here and basically i was right in the end but i was still sort of surprised at the same time too well i mean i was too because this again it's been four about four years since i last seen this series so i you know i don't remember everything um but I, i was a bit surprised as well but at the same time I wasn't because the camera at various points in the first half of the episode focused on him uh, just long enough to sort of signal to the audience, watch this guy. And so, yeah, I mean, I was both surprised and at the same time not surprised when it occurred. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it was it was kind of nice to, to experience that because this is 
my third time going through this series. And like for example, I am currently on my fourth run through the original Twilight Zone. I know all the um, twists and turns of every episode now. But part of the reason why I know that outside of seen it four, four times is because there have been a few times where I saw that series back to back. You know, I didn't give myself enough time to separate from it, give myself a few years uh, away from it. Here with Johnny Sacco, I have. The first time I saw that series was back in 2014, then again two years later in 16, now four years later right now. So, you know, I'm not as familiar with it. Um, you know, I remember certain things. But, uh, yeah, uh, that was one thing that I had totally forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of something else. Oh, um, this one shot where uh, towards the end where – uh, Fangar and the one spy and as well as the minister were in that hideout where they rescued the princess and everything when they were firing mm-hmm. at uh, Johnny and Jerry. I liked how the one shot when uh, uh, Jerry was crouching down and then I'm not even sure out of, with all the elements around there and the way how that shot was um how he managed to find uh, the the strain to the dynamite that led. Yes, I know to the hideout. How he managed to shoot it and then like find it, shoot it, and then have it ignite. <laughs> It doesn't work that way, obviously. Yeah. We need to make T-shirts that have, that say "Time out." You're asking too many questions, or <laughs> or that's what that's been our go-to line throughout or, the entire like, show. Or like "Time out." You're talking too much, too many questions on a kids show. <laughs> Time out. Too much logic for shows, or too much logic for kids shows. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, I mean, you, yeah, literally, like, all it would have done if he, he was that accurate would have just severed the, the cord, but it would not have ignited no. that cord. No, no way but, in hell. <laughs> uh, again, we're, we're talking about quote unquote realism inside a show that is. It's about a giant robot that is controlled via watch remote control by a child, has a, uh, a villain that looks like some sort of weird octopus squid type creature, a henchman that is all silver with very long eyebrows, and a whole host of other weird creatures and other things that go on. So, again, you just take it as it comes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but, but I'm, here's the thing: we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Opticon, yeah, I was going to get to that eventually. I stated before a few episodes ago that I am not a fan of, of villains or giant monsters that are appendages, uh, you know, or even giant insects, unless you give them some sort of personality or what. Have have you because like we did what was it called the giant claw here like five or so episodes ago i hated that particular uh villain i hate 
Opticon. Uh, Opticon is nothing more than a giant eyeball that has some interesting abilities to suck in certain things and take people prisoner. How, I don't know, but then again, we're not supposed to ask those questions. But at the same time, I just despise this design. I still find it lazy, and I find it interesting at the same time that this particular character is weaker. He seems to be weaker when it grows legs, and I find it so stupid at the end that when Giant Robo closes the eyelid, that this Opticon becomes weaker, obviously because it can't see, but yet somehow it can't Yeah, open its That's own one thing eyelid. I thought about, too. Um, I just... I hate a giant eyeball. I find it weird that this character is weaker when it grows legs and that it can't open its own And eyelid. the one thing, um, which I'm not sure if you uh, discussed while I had my headphones off there for a brief few seconds, that uh, when they mentioned about it growing legs in a day and then flying by night, there's... Uh, <laughs> One thing that I noticed that it does fly during the day, even like towards the end of it. That's true. <laughs> so yes, that is true. that whole that whole <laughs> logic just flew out the window <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> I just this, and I and I might have said this before. This particular series brings in giant hands, I think, twice. I knew it had a giant eyeball. I don't know if something like this comes back again or not. Um, But like I've always said, I just think villains like that are lazy and uninspired. And maybe Opticon, despite a couple of unique abilities, is no different. Simply because with production i don't know how much money that they were given that maybe they didn't have a whole lot and then they had to do yeah that doesn't matter because look at this suit for opticon i mean this thing is big and they were able to develop a a leg suit for the actor to, to sprout legs so they had some money to build this it's just a question of that this is what they picked you know like it's dumb i i hate it <laughs> but the rest of the story i think is great opticon i don't yeah like. yeah the the story in this one i think is pretty solid too along with um the previous i'd say at least with the previous episode even though to me comparing these three even though that all three are pretty good that uh, episode twelve is probably the weakest, uh, the weakest one in my opinion. But at least I think all three of these episodes have pretty decent and strong story, even though that there's some goofy stuff <laughs> in the middle of it. I yeah, I mean, and maybe some I illogic have to stuff. Insert my own opinion before you potentially go on to a final thought or something. There, I, I will say. 
this whole batch that we've done for this podcast is definitely stronger than what we got the last time. It, it is stronger, despite, like I said, I don't like Opticon, but I think everything else around it, this particular character is solid for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, and then, of course, we get another uh, Murray uh, sort of centric uh, type of episode in this one here where we have uh, the princess from this small kingdom being a doppelganger of Murray in a way. And then when she gets captured that they uh, bring in uh, Murray along with giant Robo to sort of play the part of Murray. And then I'm not even sure like if like when they brought her in, I don't know if like they say, Oh, we, we know that there's probably someone in here. So then we'll spy on them. And then that's where they find out uh, one of the hit, uh, one of the spies, talking to Emperor Guillotine. It just seems like there's some elements within the story that just seems to be going out there in a way. It's like with a couple episodes ago, we get that necklace with the supersonic wave, like just makes it think like that. Marie is sort of a sidekick. And then now with this episode, it sort of makes it think like that. Uh, both Jerry and Johnny are just, sidekicks and it's like oh there's spies within the ranks of this ruler of the small kingdom like blah 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 some shit (laughs) it's like that one one of I think one of the funniest moments in an episode so far, the series, where they were trying to transfer uh, the secret plans of that metal and Jerry's like hold on we must look for bugs there's one (laughs) there's one there's one. Or, or like you they know, they like, didn't think like they managed to say oh or like was it Jerry Jerry he just picks up the phone like the the old school phone and looks underneath oh there's a spy device right there it's like I would never even thought about that <laughs> it's like I would at least go to the handle thing where a lot of those bugs are usually placed in. Yeah, it's just... I love the series to death. I really do. It's a lot of fun. I mean, seriously, if you are looking for something to escape from reality for a while and just to have fun with, regardless of quality control, this is your series. And I love it. I do love it. It is fun. But once you start to, as we've said again over the course of this podcast, once you start really to look more closely at things and pay closer attention to story and you start looking around visually more at things – you realize this is an incredibly flawed series, and it starts to drive you a bit nuts oh, yeah. <laughs> after a while. Um, first of all, this series is screwy. Second of all, it's also one of the greatest <laughs> things of all time to do. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other other than that, do you have anything else before we uh, go to final thoughts here? Let me take a quick note. Uh, No, I don't. All right. So my final thoughts on this one. Uh, For this episode, I think uh, to me it's 
better than uh, the previous one. Anyway, I mean, all the batches are pretty solid as far as the story, uh, the battles. Um, and then, of course, to me, I think this one is probably my favorite out of the batches because you know who I'm talking about. It would be great if they actually bring him in the MK11 lineup like they did with Rambo here recently. <laughs> no, Fangard needs his own spinoff. Fangard needs his own spinoff. But, uh, Forget Johnny and Jerry. Those guys are Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I think he definitely makes up this entire episode or way he makes this episode great. Besides uh, Optagon, which to me is just maybe just a side part of the whole thing. To me, I think the way I think about it, I think this episode would have been better off with it just being mainly the human elements with just uh, Johnny and Jerry and some of the uh, Unicorn members trying to help out uh, the small kingdom, saving them from the Gargoyle Gang and Fangar in a way, especially when them with them trying to take over this mine with this new element and everything that was radiation or radiated or highly radiated that Emperor Guillotine could have, you know, used it for something else like a weapon or uh, for that matter. And and then I can just see it without uh, mainly the giant giant robo at all and along with that without having uh opticon within this episode as well it could just mainly have been a uh human centric episode uh this time around but of course they gotta at least have giant robo within this episodes in some capacity and they're so got some sort of shitty looking monster <laughs> in here. <so laughs> Another t-shirt. They got some sort of shitty monster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, other other than that. <laughs> some sort of shitty monster, Jason. <laughs> but but other other than that, um the story is pretty good. Fangar, I think, makes up for the entire episode. And then seeing Kent lose, losing his entire shit out of this. So to me, this episode, I give it at least a 7 out of 10. <laughs> oh, man. For those that are listening to the audio version, you should at least see have seen Kent's facial expression just losing his shit. I had to mute my microphone, otherwise I would have been blocking your entire final thought there. I was laughing so hard. Oh, man. <laughs> sort of shit he wants. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, okay. Those who have listened to the podcast for a period of time know that I am a huge fan of giant bug. That, bug that I am not a huge fan of giant bug monsters, nor am I a huge fan of such things as giant hands or other appendages. 
I find such quote-unquote monsters to be ridiculous and lazily inspired, lacking any sort of creativity regardless of any given powers. Opticon is one such kaiju that I don't care for. With that said, I was super excited to see Fangar show up. I couldn't believe that we now have three gargoyle generals helping the gargoyle gang at one time. The rest of the episode is a whole lot of fun with some interesting twists and turns. The Ojasite by and large is forgotten about halfway through the episode, but I'm okay with that given the dramatic story that comes in the second half. Despite Opticon being the kaiju of the week, the rest of the episode is a whole lot of fun and some sort of <laughs> shitty monster. Eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> that last part I just took from you. Well, I thought, like, in the middle, of, like, now you got three... Uh like gains or whatever you mentioned in there. I thought you were going to say, now we got three shitty people or something in there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So with that, that pretty much concludes, uh, was a disc two of the series. And then now we're actually halfway through the, uh, Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. And this is, uh, the one thing I, uh, came up with the night before uh something to sort of discuss about that since now we're halfway through on the series what are your thoughts uh on a halfway and if you're a normal person without any knowledge (laughs) without any knowledge of (laughs) any of the tokusatsu or kaiju shows or films watching this show would you think of progress or continuing on with the show or would you stop from here there's still a bunch of things to take into consideration as you say that because first of first and foremost you have to wonder okay um, is this individual who's watching this a big fan of science fiction or kaiju or tokusatsu um, or this sort of genre? If they aren't, of course not. I mean, first and foremost, you may not enter the series to begin with, or even if you aren't, you may only dabble in the first few episodes. Assuming you've gotten this far, that tells me you are some type of fan of this. And, um, you know, I, I, I just... Um, uh, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I can't speak to a quote unquote normal person. (laughs) Um, I can only speak for myself because I am a huge fan of this sort of thing. I had never seen Johnny Sacco before up until 2014. And, uh, um, at the time I enjoyed it because, uh, first and foremost, and I've talked about this many times over the last eight years, I've had a huge reco- uh, resurgence in my, my fandom uh, of being a kaiju fan since very late 2011. And that has inspired me to revisit a lot of movies and to look at certain movies that I once thought were terrible to actually be at the very least halfway decent. Um, with the exception of a couple. Um, but, you know, um, here I am, a 36-year-old man who has, you know, two young kids, um, who is living in the middle of a pandemic, and just life doesn't seem all that great right now uh, because there's just so much crap going on. Watching something like this, despite the fact that it is completely insane, Sane and devoid of any real logic most of the time, 
And at the same time, that sort of irritates me because I'm like, wait a minute, point A goes to point Z. What the hell happened to all the 24 here? Yeah. You know, like despite all all that, it's fun. And I've always said when we've reviewed movies on this podcast that my biggest thing first and foremost is are you entertaining me and grabbing my attention? Are, are you engaging me within your story? And I will say right now, yeah, I mean, I'm engaged. Yeah, there are things that I'm just like, wait a minute, what the hell? That makes no sense. Like, but I'm, by and large, I'm engaged because things are so goofy and outlandish that I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not one of those so bad it's good, although it's sort of in that camp. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, yeah. If I were in that uh, position, um, even though we're in this in the middle of what we've got going on right now, if if it came up to the batch that we had. In the previous podcast, I probably would have at least maybe reconsidered. Like, yeah, maybe I should just watch something else because it's sort of a good example compared to last night. I watched uh, the first episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it's like there's just a lot of the crazy, goofy stuff going on to where it's like. Oh my god, it's just so cringy. So I just sort of stopped right in the middle <laughs> of the episodes. Like I'm gonna go watch the latest episode of Arthur. So uh, to me, uh, probably it would have gotten to that situation. It's like there's really no substance going on here, and it just felt like with the three episodes from the last batch, it's like there just seems like there's just a lot of stuff that just really didn't make a whole lot of sense. Some of the things just really wasn't really good at all. And it's like, I don't know if I really want to continue from that point. Not even sure if I was going to get the halfway point, but for me, just like you being a fan of the genre, of course I'm going to still continue on and, because <laughs> of you know the guilty pleasure <laughs> of this entire uh, series. Well, like Dimo Z says here, uh, having a break from reality is kind of important, especially these days. Hence, why stuff like Johnny's Taco has its appeal. Uh, very much. I mean, that is part of the reason why I had a resurgence in my kaiju fandom very late in 2011 because I it was like right around New Year's Eve in 2011 and I sat down and played Godzilla Double Smash on my Nintendo DS. I had that game for like a year or two and I hadn't played it. I'm like, I'm going to sit down and play this and just all of a sudden, boom, like I got immersed in the Godzilla and kaiju world again. I'm like, wow, like I haven't been paying attention to this stuff in a while. I need to dive into it more and really since then most of what i watch within a given year is kaiju related stuff and um and part of the reason why it appealed to me then was not only because i had been out of it for a while i was someone who was on the verge i was like a year away from graduating college and i had just recently become engaged and and I was involved in so many other things. I was involved in two volunteer things. I was about to be involved in another volunteer thing like six or so months later. Um, 
you know, I was in the middle of school and all that. Like, I was so focused on the real world that I sort of things were not quite as fun. Well, although as, we did as what they were, and watching these films, realizing that there's just some sort of goofiness and entertainment in the world world really helped me to relax like i once i got back into this stuff i found myself not as stressed as i was before i was enjoying certain things more than i had before you know it was it, it sort of made it put life into perspective but it also helped to regenerate my purpose at that time too well at least you know prior to all that we did manage to it started did, yeah. this entire podcast back in 2010 until we had that certain was a year year and a half hiatus where you were sort half, of yeah. focusing more on personal stuff and even me too because right in 2011 i was fortunately laid off from my first job and didn't really have anything <laughs> as far as work until maybe like a little over a year or so after when I got laid off and then, you know, that in 2012 and stuff, that's sort of when we ramped things back up again, even around the time when you got married that year and everything. And then everything. Mm -hmm. And then basically from there on out, we basically can, you know, continuously, you know, been doing the show. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go into final thoughts. Or did we? Uh, no, we did do final thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we did do final thoughts mm -hmm. on yep. this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that said, our next episode is going to be October 24th. At this moment in time, we don't have a start time because uh, we are Iowa football fans. And so our schedule is going to be dependent on when Iowa is going to play that particular day. Um, but we will let everyone know, hopefully within the next yeah, week. Essentially uh, because – As far as – when to start. Yeah, essentially, the reason for that is that uh, we checked their was it, uh, the Iowa football schedule, and all they've had as far as the time is said TBA. So at this uh, point in time, as of uh, the recording of this episode here, and um, so we're not entirely sure when specifically, but when it comes to Iowa football, they usually play around the 11 a.m. Central Time mark. So it, we might move the schedule of the uh, podcast temporarily later on in the day or perhaps possibly on a Sunday there. So we'll, uh, we'll have to take a look at their schedule if they ever update it a week from now. And if they don't, we may have to possibly do it on a Sunday. We're not entirely sure yet. Yeah, so we'll, we'll kind of keep everyone posted. Yeah, definitely. So uh, with that, before we sign, sign off here, I just want to reiterate uh, this one last time before we sign off. Uh, our streaming networks, obviously YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook Live, not sure about Periscope anymore, uh, and DLive. <laughs> and then our audio versions of our podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. 
And then uh, as far as the social media uh, platforms, you can like and subscribe to us on these following uh, platforms uh, displayed on the screen here. Just search for Daikaiju Network. And we're on uh, – we have our own website. Just find us over at daikaijunetwork.com. So if you have anything else to point out, uh, I think uh, we're good. I got something to point out. <laughs> I want to say, though, first, um, and I just want to give everybody a couple of weeks heads up. Um, typically, what would have happened um, after our next episode on the 24th, we would have an episode on the 7th. But because the first weekend of every month I use to clean our house, so I want to move that episode to the 14th of November. And with that being said, that's going to be another episode where I want us to cover four oh. episodes <laughs> of Johnny. I wasn't Sorry. expecting to do four <laughs> so soon. Well, it would be obviously between the 24th through the 14th. So you got three yeah. weeks. I mean, it's not that big. Yeah, I know, but I was sort of thinking like we'll do another three and then possibly four after that but oh well so with that i think that is essentially it yeah and so thank you so much for watching or listening and we will see you here in a couple of weeks when we cover episodes 14 through 16 all right take care everyone we'll see you in a couple weeks <laughs>